We open the Holy Scriptures to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Our reading will be the first 13 verses of the chapter, verses 1 through 13, 1 Corinthians 10. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant, how that all our fathers were under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink? For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples, to the intent we should not lust after evil things, As they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for ensamples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Here we end our reading of the Holy Scriptures. The basis of this passage and the entire word of God, we consider... The first question and answer of Lord's Day 52 of the Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer 127. Which is the sixth petition? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That is, since we are so weak in ourselves that we cannot stand a moment, And besides this, since our mortal enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh, cease not to assault us, do thou therefore preserve and strengthen us by the power of thy Holy Spirit, that we may not be overcome in this spiritual warfare, but constantly and strenuously may resist our foes, till at last we obtain a complete victory. Beloved, in the Lord Jesus Christ, for some time now, we have, through the scriptures, been sitting at the feet of Jesus Christ, the master teacher of prayer, as he has led us through the model prayer which teaches us how to pray. 
We come near to the end of this lesson on prayer, the last of the sixth, uh, the last of the six petitions of the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It is a beautiful petition and a beautiful close to the prayer. A petition of hope that points us to the full and final realization of the salvation which Christ has obtained for us. And that we are taught to pray for our complete and final deliverance from all evil. The evil out there, as well as the evil in here, in me, my sinful flesh. And we are taught to pray this prayer with the utmost confidence, certain that that victory shall be ours and shall be fully realized because of the work of the master teacher of prayer himself, who is not only the master teacher of prayer, but is the only Savior, who through the work he did on the cross of Calvary, has decisively defeated our enemies and obtained for us everlasting glory. We pray in that confidence. And so we turn to this sixth petition, a petition of hope. And this morning we are going to consider the first part. There are really two parts to the petition. There is the negative side, lead us not into temptation. And the positive side, deliver us from evil. And this morning we are going to focus on the first part. The first part of the sixth petition is a petition for protection and for help against temptation. Temptation is an ever-present threat and danger for us as we live in this fallen world and as we carry about with us everywhere we go this fallen nature, this sinful flesh. As Lord's Day 52, as the first question and answer highlights for us, we are embroiled in a lifelong spiritual warfare. This world is not a wonderful place where we are at home. This world is not a place where we take a long vacation. This world is a spiritual battlefield. And arrayed against the Christian are mortal enemies of superior strength and deviousness. The devil himself the wicked world that is in his employ, and the enemy within our fallen nature with which we must wrestle every day. In this fierce spiritual battle of the Christian life, we need help because we are insufficient of ourselves. And that's what the first part of the sixth petition directs our attention to, the source of help against all our foes, the source of help against the ever-present threat and reality of temptation, Jehovah, our covenant-keeping God, and Jesus Christ, our Savior, and His Holy Spirit poured out upon us, who empowers us to fight the good fight of faith, and preserves us in the midst of the battle which is for us too great. The sixth petition is a petition for help against temptation. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to consider the first half under the theme, lead us not into temptation. We'll look first at the petition itself, the petition for help against temptation. Petition not for any human help, but for the only help that can truly help us 
divine help. Secondly, we will look at the simultaneous striving that the word of God calls us to as we pray, lead us not into temptation. And then thirdly, we will look at the only power by which we can. That is, the only power by which we can pray this petition. The only power by which we can strive against temptation. The only power by which we can overcome our mortal foes. The petition for help against temptation, we begin by looking at that ever-present reality which is a threat to us each day of our lives in this fallen world, the reality of temptation. What is temptation? Temptation is the devil's deceitful device to lure us into sin With the goal of ensnaring us in sin. That's temptation. The devil's deceitful device to lure us into sin. And to ensnare us in that sin. Temptation is the main spiritual weapon that the devil, our arch enemy, deploys against us in the spiritual battlefield of this life. The Catechism explains that our mortal enemies ceaselessly assault us. And the main way that they ceaselessly assault us is with temptation. You can think of temptation as the fully automatic weapon of the devil. And day by day, he sprays the battlefield with bullets of temptation, fiery darts of temptation, targeting each one of us. There is a ceaseless assault of the devil's deceitful devices aiming to lure us into sin and ensnare us in sin. To help us understand how this deceitful device of the devil works, we can use the earthly illustration of fishing. Satan tempts us much the way that a fisherman catches fish. He tempts us in the first place by using bait. He dangles bait before our eyes. Just like a fisherman puts bait on a hook and that bait hides the hook and that bait is put into the water to draw the fish to bite the hook, so too Satan sets before us something that is alluring, something that is attractive, something that that appeals to the flesh. Satan knows our weaknesses. He knows the chinks in our armor. And he sets something before us that he knows we want, something that will catch our attention. He baits us. With something desirable, something pleasurable. Sometimes that bait may be something not wrong in and of itself. But he uses that bait to lure us into trying to get that legitimate thing in some unlawful way. Or in some sinful way. But very often the bait itself is something sinful. He puts before us something that is appealing and attractive To the old man of sin. And that's why temptation is such a powerful weapon. The devil has a willing ally inside each one of us. It's the mortal enemy called sinful flesh. Our old man. Our fallen nature inherited from father Adam. And the old man wants to be tempted. And in temptation, 
Satan puts bait out there to awaken the lusts of the old man to bait us into sin. You think of so many examples of this. One way the devil can use something legitimate is perhaps an opportunity arises for earthly advancement in career or an opportunity arises for the obtaining of greater earthly wealth which would really help our family. We can think of all kinds of reasons why this would be good but the obtaining of such benefits will require us to sacrifice something of the kingdom of God. Whether it be moving away from a good church or whether it be necessitating us neglecting the body of Christ or the means of grace for a season. And Satan sets before us something that's legitimate, but to get it requires us to walk an unlawful path that will be spiritually harmful. The devil is fishing for us. He sets something good before us. But it's for our hurt. Or when we're in front of the screen, which is so common in our day, and an unclean image pops up on the sidebar of Instagram or the computer or TikTok or whatever other app we might be using, and the devil places it there. He's appealing to the old man. It's so easy to take the bait, a click of the mouse, a tap of the finger on the screen. That's temptation. Baiting us. But now the second element of temptation is that with the bait, the devil lies. The devil lies. Temptation is the devil's deceitful device to make us fall into sin. And to do that, he lies. He lures us with hooked bait. And he deceives us into thinking there's not a hook in that bait. But there's something pleasant. There's something pleasurable. There's something good for you. We must understand that temptation is always designed to deceive. Just as the fisherman hides the hook behind the bait so that the fish isn't thinking about a hook, but the fish is thinking about a worm, food, something good, something I want. That's what the devil does with us. He lures us to the bait by lying about the bait. Lying about sin. He says to us, Sin is good. Disobeying God isn't bad. In fact, disobeying God is the real way to be happy. God is so restrictive. His Ten Commandments rob you of your liberty. You can't have any fun as a Christian. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do this. You must do this. Throw off the yoke. You're in miserable bondage. Bite this bait and you'll be happy. It'll be good. It'll taste good. It'll be sweet. Looking at that will bring you pleasure. It will be liberating. You feel that emptiness in you, do you not? Take this. This will fill you, says Satan. You see, in every temptation, really, there is a replay of the first temptation where devil, where the devil came to Eve and said, look at this fruit. It's pleasant to the eyes. It's good for you. You will not 
die if you eat it. God is lying to you. He doesn't have your good in mind because he knows the day you eat thereof, your eyes will be opened and you will be able to be like God, just determining for yourself good and evil, good and evil. Eat of the fruit and it'll set you free. And that same lie is there in every temptation. And it's a powerful lie. It's a lie that works with us because it appeals to that deep desire of the old man. Inside each of us, inside our sinful flesh, is the desire to be God. To be the God of my life. To decide what is right and wrong. To do what I please. To get what I want. Satan knows that. And all of his bait is designed to awaken that desire in us. And he says to us, whenever he tempts us to sin, Disobeying God is better for you than obeying. That's the deceiver. He presents himself as if he's so concerned for us, as if he's our ally who's going to liberate us from the tyranny of God who has all of these expectations and all of these commands, but really he's trying to kill us. That's what Satan did with Eve and Adam. He spiritually murdered them. He presented himself as the concerned friend who's going to help them get something they deserve that God is keeping from them. But with his temptation, he spiritually murdered them and dragged them into bondage to himself. And that's what every temptation is designed to do. That's what the fisherman's hook hidden behind the bait is designed to do. Tricking the fish to bite, the fisherman now has that fish at his mercy to reel him in. To feed on that fish, or to use that fish for his sport, the fish is at the fisherman's mercy, so it is with temptation. That's what the devil wants to do, and we must see that. When the devil tempts us, and we feel that desire, and our mind starts to think along the lines that Satan wants our minds to think, yeah, God is restrictive, God's way is boring, God's way is no fun, the world has all kinds of fun, the world can do all of this, yeah, that would be good to disobey. We're giving in to the devil's lie, a lie intended to wound and to enslave us. That's temptation. There's bait, the luring lie, and the hook, the sin itself. Satan's purpose with temptation is to deceive us into biting the bait so that his hook may be embedded in us. That's what he's going for. Because he's not out for our good. He does not have our best interests in mind. He wants to drag us as God's children back into bondage to him under his tyranny. He wants to hook us. He wants to get us to fall into sin because every time we sin, we displease God. And when we displease God, Satan is happy. But he wants more than a one-time fall. He uses temptation to get that hook in us. So that he can exert power over us and drag us into bondage. He wants to ensnare us in that sin. And so when that image pops up on the screen, don't think it's just a one-time thing. Satan is working here. He's not going for a one-time click of curiosity. He's working to make you click again and again and again until that hook is caught in your soul and you are enslaved to that sin which is so common in our day, in our digital age. That's what Satan is up to. 
That's temptation. We must understand temptation. Because this is the threat that we face every single day. And it is spiritually perilous to be ignorant of the devil's devices. This then is the necessity of the sixth petition. This is our need for crying out to God every day with spiritually minded awareness of the gravity of our situation in this world. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Because as the catechism says, and we make this our confession, and Jesus teaches us this, we're so weak of ourselves. We know that. That old man is so strong, and we're so quick to give in to him. We're so easily blinded to sin and the danger of temptation. We so willingly blind ourselves to the danger. So quickly when we want something, we will let ourselves be deceived. The devil's reasoning can be so very appealing. We want to be God. And we're very quick to listen to the whispers of the one who says, You can. In this area of your life, you can. All you have to do is sin. We need help. We need help. Because we are weak. Because the enemy is strong. And Jesus now teaches us to ask for that help. And he teaches us where to look for that help. Don't look to man. Don't look to self. Don't look to anything else. Look to the almighty God, your Father. And call upon him in prayer. Lead us not into temptation. Lead us not. So now understanding what temptation is, we're going to look at the words, lead us not into temptation, what does this mean? Notice first that embedded in the sixth petition is a confession of God's sovereignty and power over Satan and over his weapon of temptation. That's built into the very language of the petition when Jesus teaches us to pray, lead us not into into temptation. That tells us God's in charge. God is the one who is leading things. Leading us. And so there's comfort embedded into the very language of the sixth petition. We have someone we can go to for help. Satan is not an independent power who goes around doing whatever he pleases and no one is able to stop him. No, God is in charge. God is leading us in the course of our lives. And Satan, the tempter, is on God's leash. Think of the history of Job. And how Satan could do absolutely nothing except that which God allowed him to do. God, not the tempter, reigns. That's the comfort we must have on the onset. There is help. And that help is to be found in God himself. 
And so now we confidently pray to this God who is our God through Jesus Christ, who is our Father. And there's our confidence too. He cares about us. He is not the God of the deists who is out there but minding his own business, doesn't care about the works of his hands, but he is God who is our Father, who has given his Son Jesus Christ for us, which shows us we are his chief concern. And the Father who cares for our bodies and for our daily bread, how much more is he going to care for this most important of our needs, protection from the snares of the murderous tempter? We can be confident that God hears and that God will answer us when we pray, lead us not into temptation. So pray it. Pray it in confidence. Each day, consciously go to God, seeking from Him the strength you need in the face of temptation. But now, when we pray, lead us not into temptation, we are asking God for several things. In the first place, we are asking God to keep us from temptations and those situations in which we will be sorely tempted. Part of the petition is, Father, according to thy wisdom, steer the course of my life around those places, those persons, those situations, which are going to thrust sore temptation upon me. I understand my weakness, and so I want to be kept from temptation. That's my desire. That's my desire. Is that our desire? Let it be our desire. And let us examine ourselves in our own sinful flesh because sometimes that isn't our desire. And sometimes if we're honest with ourselves, we want to be led into temptation. The spiritual mindset that we are to have as we pray this petition is, Father, steer me clear of temptation. I don't even want to enter into it. I know my weakness. That said, when we pray this petition, we are not asking God to steer us clear of absolutely all temptation because that's impossible in this world. This fallen world is full of temptation. If you live in this world, you will face temptation. And more than that, you carry within you your own sinful flesh from which bubbles up temptations day by day. It's impossible To steer clear of every temptation in this world. And so part of the sixth petition is this. Father, Father, when thou dost lead me into temptation. When in thy sovereignty thou dost lead me on life's pathway. Through a situation where I face temptation. Grant me the grace and the strength To resist that temptation such that I am not overcome by it and ensnared by it. Such that I do not fall in the midst of temptation. Lead me through it. Along a way of escape. Here, pay attention to the beautiful promise Found in 1 Corinthians 10.13, a wonderful promise. There hath no temptation taken you, verse 13 says, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that we may be able to bear it. In temptation, there is a way of escape. 
God provides that way of escape. He does not suffer us to be tempted above what we are able to bear. Not able to bear of ourselves, but able to bear by the strength His Spirit gives us. And so, that takes away an excuse. An excuse we often resort to when we fall to temptation is, I had no choice. I couldn't help it. The temptation was so strong. That may be true that the temptation was really strong, but we could help it. We may not try to clear ourselves of guilt by pointing to all sorts of circumstances or saying, I couldn't help it. Of yourself you couldn't, but you're not by yourself, child of God. You have the Spirit of Christ in you, and by the Spirit, you could. 1 Corinthians 10.13 removes that excuse from us. God provides a way of escape. That doesn't mean it's simple. That doesn't mean it's always easy. There is a way of escape. And that should encourage us. That should strengthen us. So that we don't quickly succumb to temptation. I can't stand against this temptation. We just give in. No, there is a way of escape provided by God. And we have His Spirit So that there is never a temptation given us which we cannot bear. We are taught to pray here. Father, lead us through the temptation. When in thy sovereignty, thou dost lead us into it. Give us the eyes to see the bait. To discern the lies that would lure us to bite it. Help us to see the hook. Unmask before our spiritual eyes the devil who says disobeying God is the way to happiness, freedom, and a joyful life. Let us see that lie for what it is. Let us see sin for what it is. It promises pleasure, but it only delivers poison. Give us to see these things. Subdue our flesh so that in temptation we may overcome. Now, one more thing to see with regard to the meaning of the petition, is that when we pray, lead us not into temptation, we are recognizing God's sovereignty over temptation and that there are times when he does lead us into temptation. And understand what that means. That doesn't mean that God leads us to falling. God does not do that. Nor does it mean that God himself tempts us. The scriptures are emphatic in that regard that God not only does not tempt, he cannot tempt. Temptation is the proper work of the devil, just as lying is the proper work of the devil, meaning it's a work peculiar to him. God cannot lie, and therefore God cannot tempt. For example, James 1 verses 13 through 14 makes this clear. This is another way man wants to excuse his sin. Man sometimes wants to pin the blame on God. God, you led me through this circumstance. You put me in this position in your sovereignty. I could do nothing else but fall. It's your fault. To that, the scriptures say, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Then verse 14 of James 1 explains what happens when we fall and where the blame belongs when we fall. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. 
God never delights in sin. He's holy. God never lures us to sin. Because he never lies. His purpose is never to make us fall into sin. Or to do us harm. God cannot tempt. It's contrary to his own holy being. Sometimes God sovereignly leads us into temptation for his own good purposes, but he does not tempt. He does not make us fall. And when we fall, the fault is ours. Think of Mark 1, verse 12, for example, where we are told that the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness there to be tempted by the devil. God led Jesus into temptation, but God did not tempt Jesus. The tempting was done by Satan alone. And the same is true of us. As God sovereignly leads us down life's pathway, there are times where he leads us through valleys of temptation, but he does not tempt. And when we stumble and fall, the blame belongs to us. And so as we pray, lead us not into temptation, we recognize this reality. That sometimes God uses temptation for our good. And so we must acknowledge that. And pray for that too. That Lord, when thou dost lead me into temptation, sovereignly use it for my good as thou hast for thy people before. For example, God uses temptation sometimes to chasten. To chasten us. God uses temptation to try. To uncover what is in us. What is in man. To show us our weakness and to strip us of our foolish pride and self-reliance. Sometimes we think very highly of ourselves. We think, as verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 10 says, I can stand. And God leads us through temptation to show us, no you can't. Put away your pride. Humble yourself. Contrary to human wisdom, You are strongest when you recognize how utterly weak you are. Because then you will rely on God's strength and his strength will be made perfect in weakness. And sometimes God leads us through temptation to strip us of that foolish pride and fix our eyes again on him so that we trust in him and look to him for the help that we need. God uses temptation to strengthen our faith, to exercise our faith. For example, in Genesis 22, where we read, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. And the idea there is God tried Abraham. God had told Abraham to bring Isaac up to the top of Mount Moriah and there sacrifice Isaac. That was a trial of Isaac's faith. Or rather, a trial of Abraham's faith. God led Abraham down a path where there were many temptations, temptations to disobey, to rebel. God gave Abraham the grace not to fall into temptation. And God used that time of trial to strengthen Abraham's faith, as well as to teach Abraham something of the gospel when he provided to Abraham that substitutionary ram to take the place of Isaac. Picturing how God gives to us his own son as our substitute. And so to wrap up the first point. Jesus teaches us to pray, lead us not into temptation. 
When we see what temptation is, we see the danger. We see our need for help. And now Jesus sets before us the one who can help us and who will help us. Beloved, go to him. In your daily spiritual battle, don't neglect going to him. Don't try to do it on your own. Don't trust in your own strength, which is so small. But go to him. And pray the sixth petition just as personally and specifically as the fifth petition. We saw that we're called in the fifth petition not just to pray for the forgiveness of sins generally, but to pray for the forgiveness of specific sins. The sins I did today. So too when we say, lead us not into temptation. Yes, we are praying generally, steer us clear from temptation. And when we enter into temptation, lead us through it on that way of escape. But we must also pray this concerning our own weaknesses. We know our own weaknesses, do we not? Certain sins we are prone to. Day by day, Father, lead me not into this temptation and grant me the grace of thy spirit to fight and to flee this temptation. This temptation. And we pray for one another. Lead us not into temptation. And how important that is too. We're fellow soldiers in the church militant, fighting the same spiritual battle together. This congregation is a platoon of the church militant in the world. And we have a care for one another. Those that we are fighting side by side with, shoulder to shoulder, pray for one another. Lead us not into temptation. Pray for the youth of the church who face such temptation in this present hour, in these last days, when the spirit of Antichrist so prevails in our culture. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now more briefly, as we pray this petition, there is also to be found in our lives a simultaneous striving against temptation. And I chose those words intentionally. Simultaneous striving. Striving, we know, means resisting and fighting against. And the Catechism speaks about that when it talks about constantly and strenuously resisting our foes. We are to resist temptation simultaneously. Children, that big word simply means at the same time. At the same time as we pray this petition. As we pray, lead us not into temptation, we are to be striving at the same time against that temptation by the grace of the Spirit. Here there are three things I want to walk through. Two main ways in which we strive against temptation. And then why that striving should be simultaneous at the same time as we pray this petition. So we start. How do we strive against temptation? One of the main ways is watching against temptation. The spiritual discipline of watchfulness. Watchfulness. Being on guard. Being on the lookout. Being not 
ignorant of the devil's devices, nor naive about their deceitfulness, how often they're going to come at us. Watchfulness. Just like health care, striving against temptation should not only be reactive, but preventative. And that's what watchfulness is. It's preventative spiritual health care. It's an important military tactic in the church militant, being on the lookout for what the enemy is doing so that we may preempt him. So that we may be ready for his attacks. So that we will know about his snares before he springs them upon us. Watchfulness then is a spiritual awareness of the child of God concerning the devil's schemes. It's a spiritual awareness concerning my own weaknesses and vulnerabilities. It's a sober-minded assessment of the enemy's capabilities. It's a Keen self-knowledge and knowledge of the adversary. It's living in constant readiness for battle as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. It's living in the awareness that this world is not a harmless place, but is a battlefield. And so there's never a time to let our guard down. We don't ever get a break from our spiritual warfare as much as we might want it. We mustn't think that there's going to be a season in life when we're in such a spiritual condition that we can just relax. We are soldiers. Called always to be watchful. You think of a sentry posted on the outskirts of a military camp. May that sentry ever say, well, at this hour of the night, things should be fine, so I'm going to let my guard down and sleep a little while. If that man survives the night, he's going to be in trouble with his commanding officer. Jesus, the captain of our salvation, has given us lifelong orders in this world. Watch and pray. Be vigilant. Be on guard against the devil and his temptations. So how how do we exercise that watchfulness? A couple of ways. First, by regularly examining ourselves in light of God's word. Regularly examining ourselves. Part of preventative health care is getting a regular checkup so that problems can be detected ahead of time and hopefully remedied before they become extreme problems. And the same is necessary for our spiritual health. We need regular self-examination of our hearts, our lives, our minds, our thoughts to detect problems before they grow much bigger. To detect sinful tendencies that we are blind to. To uncover sins that we may be living in or sins that we may be drifting towards. Regular self-examination. And the importance of that comes out in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12. Again, there the Apostle Paul says, Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Those who completely disregard preventative health care 
may suddenly find out that there's a huge problem that they could have known about. And so too, if we are not watchful. A biblical example, David. David's fall into sin with Bathsheba. That didn't just happen like that. David had become secure as king. David had become lax. He had let his guard down. He wasn't on the battlefield with Joab. He was relaxing at home in the palace. He thought that he stood. And in his moment of pride came his fall. When he saw Bathsheba. And took her. And committed some of the worst sins of his life. Adultery and murder. In pride he thought he stood. And when he thought he stood, it was then he was most susceptible to falling. So it is with us. If we don't examine our lives, if we don't think about our own thoughts, our own hearts, our own desires, the way we are living our lives, if we don't examine ourselves and evaluate ourselves in light of the word of God, we are doing the devil a big favor. Regular checkup. Of ourselves. The sober minded watchful Christian. Will have a healthy distrust. Of his own feelings. Impulses. Desires. Because he believes the words of Jeremiah. That the heart is deceitful above all things. And desperately wicked. We recognize. And this is part of the self knowledge we must have. We recognize that we have a tremendous capacity for self deception. And that's one of the most frightening realities of sin. Is how easily we can deceive ourselves and blind ourselves to our own sin when we want to. And that's why we have to be constantly checking our hearts. Checking our desires. Shining the word of God upon our lives. And not avoiding those corners where we know we might find something. But taking... The words of the psalmist in Psalm 139 upon our lips. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Lord, by thy word, discover unto me. Discover unto me. The sins I hold on to. Bring them into the light. That I may put them away. Watchfulness. Second way that we exercise watchfulness is being in the word. Self-examination by means of the word, but that implies that we're regularly in the word. God's word is our weapon both of offense and defense. Both of offense and defense. We need the word. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I may not sin against thee, the psalmist says in Psalm 119 verse 11. And that points out an important connection. The word must be brought into us. And the intake of God's word is our defense against sin. As we take in God's word, that word armors us. And that word arms us for spiritual battle. Thus our need for the means of grace. Thus a very practical function of our personal and family worship. Here's a way to think about devotions. In terms of our spiritual warfare, our devotions, personally, family, as well as our hearing of the preaching of the God, this is arming and armoring us for spiritual warfare. And if we neglect these things, 
It's like going out onto the spiritual battlefield in, a sh- in shorts, t-shirt, and with a squirt gun. We need the Word, which is the sword of the Spirit. The Word, which strengthens us to bear the shield of faith. The Word, which furnishes us with the whole armor of God. Watchfulness. Now secondly, and more quickly, we strive against temptation by purposefully avoiding places, persons, situations that expose us to temptation. In short, we mustn't flirt with temptation or toy with the devil. If we're proud and think that we stand, sometimes we do that. But it's foolishness. When we do that, we are asking to fall, and we are asking to fall hard. We must know our own weaknesses, and we must be particularly diligent to avoid situations, persons, places, where we know there will be strong temptations that will target our particular weaknesses. And if that means denying us ourselves things, denying ourselves things that other people might do, or other people might be able to do, so be it. The most important thing is that we keep ourselves from temptation. This is important in our day and age. Technology makes sin so available. Just to use that one example of the screen again. You think of Solomon's words in Proverbs 7 verses 7 through 10 where he describes the threat of sexual sin. And he says, I beheld among the simple ones, I discerned among the youths, a young man void of understanding passing through the street near her corner. And he went the way of her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark of night. And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot and subtle of heart. In Solomon's day, you had to go to the harlot's house. In our day and age, we carry the door and the window to her house in our pockets everywhere we go. That doesn't mean our devices are something we must get rid of, all of us. They are a tool that can have good use. But we must beware of the danger. Beware of the danger and exercise watchfulness and avoidance in the area of our Online activity, the use of our screens. Be vigilant, be vigilant. And if those devices are a snare, as useful as they are in this world, if they're a constant stumbling block, Jesus says, get rid of it. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Cut it off. As expensive as that screen might be, you can't afford to have it right now. It's better in the dumpster than in your pocket. So important is fleeing and resisting temptation. Simultaneously, at the same time as we pray, lead us not into temptation. And the reason we say simultaneously at the same time is this. Can you sincerely pray to God Lead me not into temptation, while at the same time you intentionally lead yourself into temptation? No. To pray this prayer sincerely, we have to want to 
be freed of our sin and we must want to steer clear of temptation. We cannot sincerely utter this petition if we are willfully throwing ourselves into temptation. Then we don't really mean it when we pray it. And so the application has to be made. Beloved, if there are any of us who are living in sin and willfully doing so, and refusing to turn, understand the gravity of that. You must repent. That is the way of destruction. Repent. And cry out to God, lead me out of this temptation. Deliver me from this evil. And with all of your God-given might, strive against it. That leads to the only power by which we can. The only power by which we can do any of this. The only power by which we can pray, the only power by which we can watch, the only power by which we can flee and avoid, the only power by which we overcome temptation. The Catechism. Do thou therefore preserve and strengthen us by the power of thy Holy Spirit, that we may not be overcome in this spiritual warfare. And that's where we want to end this morning. Temptation is so real. Temptation is so powerful. The reality is you and I stumble and fall often because we are so weak, sinful creatures. But resistance of temptation And overcoming in our spiritual warfare doesn't depend on our own grit, upon our own willpower, but upon the almighty power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ who is given to us to dwell within us. It is by His power that we are not overcome. And even though we stumble and fall, We do not stumble and fall unto destruction, but the Spirit lifts us up again, and we are not overcome. But in the Spirit, more than conquerors, we are more than conquerors even in this matter of temptation. More than conquerors through Him that loved us. You have the Spirit, beloved. The Spirit of Christ, He dwells in you. He never forsakes you. Even when you and I grieve Him such that He withdraws from us for a time to chasten us. He never fully forsakes us. He never removes himself from us so as to abandon us to the devil. The Spirit of Almighty God dwells within us. And that is the power with which we contend against our mortal enemies. And that is the power by which we overcome them. Not by our own willpower, but by the Holy Spirit's power. The Holy Spirit who works in such a wonderful way that he renews our will and sweetly bends our will and gives us that will to fight against our sin and to resist temptation. We don't have to rely on ourselves. If we did, we'd have no hope and no comfort. But we have the Spirit. The Spirit of the living Christ. So we end with comfort and assurance. Now and finally. There hath no temptation taken you such as is common to man. God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. 
but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. God is faithful. That's our hope. That's our comfort. He is faithful. He provides a way of escape. He will not allow us to face temptation too much for us to bear. His Spirit will strengthen us to bear it. When we fall, it is our fault. But when we fall, He doesn't forsake us. He is faithful. And He is faithful and just to forgive us when we fall. When we foolishly refuse to take the way of escape that He has provided for us. He's faithful and just to forgive for Jesus' sake. Jesus, who was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus, who never once fell to temptation, though all of the ferocity of the devil was deployed against him. Jesus, who perfectly fulfilled the law of God, obtaining for us everlasting righteousness, which he imputes to us freely by his grace. Jesus whose perfect sacrifice has fully satisfied for all our sins, paying for each and every one of our falls. Jesus, to whom you belong body and soul, in life and in death, and no device of Satan, no snare of temptation, no fall of your own can ever pluck you from his hand. Look to Calvary. There is the way of escape. Look to Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, the way to the Father. He is the way of escape from all temptation, the way of escape from all evil, the way to the Father. And by the grace of God, you're united to him, and he takes you down that way into the presence of his glory forever. And thus, the Lord's Day ends with that confident last phrase, till at last we obtain a complete victory. That complete victory is ours. All that remains is for it to be realized in time. And so we go forth into a new week with this promise of Romans 16, verse 20, in our hearts. The God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Faithful God and Heavenly Father, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Where we stumble and fall, pardon us, Father, for the sake of Jesus Christ. For thou art faithful and just to forgive. And strengthen us day by day by thy spirit so that more and more we may flee temptation. Watch over ourselves with due vigilance. And put to flight the adversaries that array themselves against us. This all we ask in Jesus' name alone. Amen. Salter